0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Lynn Hightower, author of Beautiful Risk, or The Beautiful Risk. After nine months of sorrow and grief, Junie Lagarde, a brilliant forensic accountant and passionate guitarist, is gradually accepting life without her beloved husband, Oliver, a French safety consultant and a climate change expert whom she lost in a plane crash over Mont Blanc. Was it really an accident? And what happened to her loyal hearing dog, Leo, who ran off in the aftermath of the crash, disappearing into the dangerous mountain terrain? But then Junie receives an unexpected call from France. Internationally bestselling author, Lynn Hightower, brings us a story of grief, of a dangerous mountain with a dark history, of corruption and greed, of eco-terrorism, and of a vulnerable woman with hearing loss, an injured dog, and a broken heart will stop at nothing to uncover the truth. Her novels have been included in the New York Times list of notable books, the London Times bestseller list, and the WH Smith French not French fresh talent awards. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Lynn. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. On the back cover of your book, it is you know, the book is described as a thought-provoking standalone thriller. So I guess my First question is, what makes it a thought-provoking stand-alone thriller? And why did you... Oh, that's... Yeah,
1: go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And uh, the book is unusual in the sense that it deals with, um, with grief in, in a way that, in my own experience, uh, everything people tell you about grief is wrong, and... Um, it causes you a lot more uh, pain than necessary, and um, it's also about uh, what it's like to have a hearing loss uh, in the world and um, how it just works better if you tell people what you need, and, um, and, the, and a service dog, uh, a hearing dog. They're such extraordinary dogs, and there's such a connection and companionship with the dogs, um, with the husband she's lost, and, and how she finds her way through.
0: So there are a lot of themes in the book, and it sounds like they're also related to your own, obviously personal life. So you said that, yeah, yeah, grief. Uh, Let's go back to that because, or that seems to be kind of an overriding theme, obviously. But your your own personal grief. Let's start with that uh, because I'm assuming that's one of the motivators. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, writing a novel is very therapeutic, and when your characters go through the same things you're going through, it helps you find your way through, and sometimes what I found was my character's always a step ahead of me, so i it's like I'm following them, and um, I lost my own husband um, just before I started writing this this book, and um, I have so many opinions on how to read how it works for me, and... Um, and it comes with great gifts and great pain, you know, and I had to be very brave to write it. You know, I talked to the my therapist and I said, I don't know. And he said, just do it. See how it goes. And it was thrilling to write it. Absolutely thrilling.
0: So as you say, it's therapeutic. So how did you lose your husband? Because sometimes, at least in my experience, if if someone loses mm-hmm. someone and it's sudden or, or, or if it's a chronic illness, a long period of time, um, there are different things no, to was- adjust.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Um, He was ill for, um, gosh, about six years. And so um, it was very strange. We got to a point where we just shut the door on the world, and it was just the two of us and the dog. And um, I would say the last year of his life in our marriage was shockingly one of the most romantic years of our marriage, and that really surprised me. Uh, I wouldn't believe it if somebody told me that, but your connection is so strong, and you let go of all of the minutiae and all of the noise in the world, and uh, it was just the two of us, and we just, um, you know, just being in the same room was good, right? He and I and the dog, and uh, it was was, uh, we were so close, you know, it was very romantic.
0: So the intimacy... And the privacy. Yeah, it sounds privacy,
1: like the privacy and just shutting out the whole world because you have to. And
0: um, that was very cool, frankly. And you talk about I think this was uh, in I think the Psychology Today um, issue that you wrote about grief. Mm-hmm. And so I yeah. obviously I read that. And you talk about grief is love. And yes. You don't really experience let's say the kind of grief that you experienced unless you love someone right um, right
1: right right and so and so when you lose them, it, it, there's this i don't know this this cultural knowledge you know or, or this feeling that I had that well, that's it, it's like it's severed out of your life, and there's nothing left other than memory and what i I realized was that's absolutely not true. You're, you're in love is a strong connection, and it's just kind of like the most extreme long-distance relationship you can have where, you know, and we would tell people that my marriage is in the face of where he's kind of really just not here but kind of here a little bit, you know. Because I, I, for so long, I was just like, all I could say was, well, wherever you are, I love you, right? And then I started realizing I would, it would feel like it was coming back to me, like I love you too and um, it's, it's a fabulous connection. Um, it doesn't stop you from missing them. It's not like you're going out to dinner, um, but they're still there somehow, some way. They're still there, and, and you can still hold on to that, and you, you would never want to move on from that. You would never want to let go of that, and it seems like there's a lot of Advice that says, Let go, move on, do something else and and my thinking, just for me personally, and everybody is different, is uh, you know no, I want to hold on to him, I want to hold on to the connection I have with him, so i um, I fold it into my life it 's the tapestry of my life, and while i 'm still living and i 'm still doing things, I still you know uh wrap myself around that connection and there's no way I want to let that go.
0: Grief is forever is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Grief is forever. And when you first think of it that way, it's, it's very depressing. You're like, Oh my gosh, this is forever. But, but it's the love that's forever. And, um, you learn to live with it. That's, that's what you do. You learn to live with it and it gives you, it changes it for me. Uh, it came with some really extraordinary things, like um, I'm a novelist, but when I lost my husband, I hit the most intense creative time of my entire life. It's still going strong, and that's thrilling. It's like you're not deep in grief all day long. You're deep in the novel. You're, you're deep in your creativity, and it's a place you want to be. And the, the time of day when I was okay, I was just me and doing really good was
0: what I was writing your emotions are raw, I mean that's what it sounds like, and they're they're right there, sure. yeah, and yeah. you know when you're talking about grief and i I said grief is forever, but as as you're describing it, and i I remember reading um uh, the it was a book that a mother had written who had lost her daughter over in in Lockerbie when the in Oh, like yeah, 20 yeah. or 30 years ago. And I, I th- actually, I think the article's in the Time magazine, and it, it just reminded me of what you were saying. She said, my daughter is always with me. She takes, she, she's in a different place in my heart, but that's where she is. Right. And people are always right. trying to right. tell me to go on. I don't go on. She's here with me, but in a different way. So that kind of reminded me of that, but um, of your story.
1: Yes, it's very much like that. And that's, um, you know, the day I realized that that's the way that it was was just a huge relief because it's not like I've permanently lost him. He's still here. I still love him. He still loves me. And that, um, that's a great thing to have.
0: Let's talk about why people are uncomfortable and that you talk about that in the article in the psychology today, mm-hmm. you know, why mm-hmm. do people want you to go on with your life or, or even, mental health professionals will say if you're still grieving after three to five years, then you have a problem or there's an issue and there's a time frame for this <laughs> and you should be, yeah, you should, yeah, all the shoulds about what you yeah. should be doing after you've lost someone that you, you that you love.
1: Right. And all those shoulds um, were wrong, certainly for me. And, um, and so that helped me, that helped propel me through the book because I wanted to make that point. And my own therapist, um, who's pretty fabulous said, no, 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 you can't fix grief. Um, uh, because, you know, after, after it happened, I was doing all the things they tell you to do and do it and going out and just go, to making myself crazy. And I, I went into the office and he said, Oh, you don't look good. I said, I'm not. <laughs> and he said, tell me what's going on. And I told him, he said, Lynn, do you like doing any of those things? I said, I hate it so much. And he said, then don't do it because you cannot fix grief. And that to me was maybe the most profound thing anyone has said to me. Um, and he, he says, grief does not have a sell by date. You don't have to let go of loving your husband. You just have to um, find your way to what you love in your life as you hold him close. Does that make sense? It and does and make I think sense. people are. Are, yeah, I think people are afraid of grief, and I don't blame them. It's it's uh, it looks scary from the outside, and it's worse from the inside. Um, and and they want to think that okay, you know, six weeks later I'll be fine, and um, and you're not. And uh, so a, a lot of of what they tell you is to make other people feel better and, and not worry, and and you know, people just want you to get over it already, and also. I don't know about other people, but I, I changed quite a bit when I went through this. It's like you remember who you are, and I realized, and, and then it decisions became very easy. Yes, I want this in my life. No, I don't want that in my life, and I <clears throat> ruthlessly you got rid of it, and so you change, and people don't want you to change, and so there's a, a lot of collateral with grief where people don't like the new you. And so, um, and so you part ways.
0: They they want you to go back to the way you were before, uh, right. before your husband right. died. You they can't. want you to go back no. to the, yeah, no. the old normal and or I whatever it was. To. Yeah. And it's profoundly changed. No. I, I just interviewed somebody who lost both of their children, only children in a car accident, mm-hmm. no more children. And he said, well, people come up to him and are afraid to talk because they're afraid they're going to hurt his feelings or make him feel bad. He said, you can't make me feel anything I have experienced no. for him. The worst there is. You're not going to change. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that was no, another. no. Yeah. But a lot
1: of times people want you to reassure them that everything's okay. And um, and honestly, it's not up to me to manage their feelings. It's up to them to deal with it. I cannot take care of me at the hardest time of my life and take care of them. And I'm sorry about that, but this is about survival. It's like falling off a cliff and being at the bottom with broken bones and people are looking over and say, you didn't answer my text. You know, that, that's just so beside the point because you're in survival mode
0: what about joy because as you say grief changes you the loss changes you and yes. you are you know you're not mentally the same person or emotionally that you were before this no. is the before no. and mm-hmm. after so joy how does that come into play after you've lost your someone uh, not someone you lost your husband and in uh, your yeah. yeah uh
1: it's so interesting because You know, that last year we had together all the little things, you know. You know, we would hold hands and watch the great British baking show, you know, and that seemed so mundane, and it was just joyous to do that because, I don't know, it's just it's the little things in life that I love the most, and afterward, you know, it was hard to find it, but it came to me as just uh, contentment, you know. Walking my dog and having her, her padding along beside me, and she's such a sweetheart, and being outside and, and being in a pretty place. And I'm just like, oh, okay. I'm okay right now. This is good. This feels content. So to me, it's about um, finding contentment. And then, and then in the writing, when you're in that creative blaze, that's pure joy. You know, you're not grieving. You're not thinking about hard things. It takes you to this really great place. So, you know, like me with my writing and Junie with her classical guitar, she goes from playing three hours every morning to three hours in the morning and three hours at night to bookend her day with joy.
0: You're an author. You have the talent, obviously, to write the book, The Beautiful Risk. Uh, many or most mm-hmm. people don't have that talent, so you have this passion, as you say, and that is like pure joy. What about mm-hmm. you know, people who are listening, who have experienced the similar kind of loss that you have, but they don't have, they can't sit down and write a novel? Oh,
1: I'm really is- glad you said that because it's my opinion that writing novels, poetry, journaling, just a stream of consciousness um, isn't for the cool kids. It's for everybody. Writing is very therapeutic. Even if I was completely talentless, I would have written this novel because writing it through helps me process it, and it helps me find a path. And And so I would tell everyone, write a novel, write a novel, and define your own success. Just getting it down on the page is huge success. We live in a pretty monetized world. I think if you write a novel and you enjoy it and it processes things for you and it's close to your heart, you're a success. And and if if not that, if you have something that takes you out of your head, I mean, gardening, I did a lot of gardening. I liked just, you know, planting the flower, watering the flower and having them. I had flowers everywhere. It just made me feel like it was my little sanctuary. Um, whatever you do, I would say create, you know. It doesn't have to be on a canvas. It doesn't have to be a sculpture. It can be a small garden. It can be a small place in your home that you change and make a little sanctuary. It can be a relationship with your dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You just create something, and I think that will bring you
0: uh, a pathway to finding contentment. So it's creativity whatever that means to you or means to right. one right and your publicist right. said that you are witty i have to ask you this after one glass of wine does that mean you are not <laughs> witty before or what <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just it doesn't take much you know i have a very uh i have a very light head on these kind of things so you know my children like to tease me oh gosh mom had a sip of wine she's going to start giggling you know i'm like oh well at least, um, you know, I'm a cheap date. Just one glass of wine. That's all
0: the checks. Sounds good. All right, children, you just mentioned yeah. children, because they're going to also, uh, they've suffered a loss as well. So how does that fit into your your family dynamics, um, their loss?
1: Right. Well, between, is- between us, we had five kids. Um, he had two and I had three when we met. And, um, you know, it's very uh, hard for them while well, he was ill, you know and um and they and I think there were times that they felt like abandoned and shut out right but yeah. they were going on with their lives they're adults and they had an awful lot to do and um and and when my husband got very ill he he just he was exhausted and he only wanted me right and and he only wanted just the two of us and and I just had to explain to them that you know we have to give him the autonomy to know what he wants as he dies. Because he, is, he was letting go of so many things, you know, and, and things just got very basic. And, you know, so that's what I would call the collateral's grief, the abandonment that they felt. And we talked about it, and, um, and I wouldn't change it because I don't think there was any other way. Sometimes it's just
0: hard. It's hard. It's difficult. But that was... As you say, autonomy, that is his choice. That was his choice and how he was going to exactly. let go. Yeah.
1: I found, you know, I found when you're caretaking or when someone is ill, everyone, and they mean well, i they mean well. They know what you need. They want to tell you what you need. They want to tell you how to do things. And, um, you know, I had a friend of mine said, listen, my friend, her husband is on a ventilator. He's got COVID. He's going to die and she won't accept it. How do I make her accept it? And I said, you don't. This is not up to you. I know you mean well. Give her her autonomy to know what she needs and to know what's best for her and her husband. Step aside. If there's something that she wants you to do, do it. But do not try and push her in a direction that you think is best for her. It's an intrusion. And autonomy during hard times is utterly crucial. And that is how you be kind to people. You respect their autonomy. You help when you can, and you step back when they want you to step back.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really great point, and I think that uh, because the word that keeps coming to my mind is exhausting. I have a very old mom, and people come mm-hmm. to visit her, and, and uh, when they leave, she'll say, they, they stay too long, I'm exhausted. <laughs> this is exhausting me. Yes. Uh They yes. mean well, and, which is great, but you have to set your own limits and whatever they happen to mm-hmm. be, right? Yeah, you
1: do. You have to set limits. You have to set boundaries. And, um, and to be honest, the kids and his friends, you know, it would make, it would make me feel so bad to tell them they couldn't come, that I would burst into tears. And so no one was mad at me. Okay. They were all like, no, 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 you know it's best. It's okay. It's okay. You know, because I think it was pretty clear, you know, that this wasn't about shutting them out. This was about Letting letting him be easy and quiet and comfortable and let go.
0: Now his children and your relationship with them how how mm-hmm. has, what what's that like now?
1: Uh, it's even stronger. It's stronger. I um I sent a, a Psychology Today um article to my French sons that that's their he was their biological father and um. And I got a a text back from Julian yesterday, and he said, you know, I I was afraid to read it, I knew it was going to make me cry. He said, but I'm so glad I did, because because it just makes me feel like I'm on the right path, because, I mean, I go fishing every weekend, and I feel like Dad's with me, and I talk to him, and it doesn't feel crazy to me, and I don't want to let go of that relationship, and I don't want to let go of that grief. He said, so... Uh, to me, it was beautiful and accurate, so thank you. So I, I, I felt really good about that. You know, I, I wanted them to have it, and I hoped it didn't upset them, but, no, they, they felt like it was very validating and exactly what they were experiencing. Uh, you,
0: I mean, you sound like a you are a very compassionate person, but now you don't have to worry so much, or it seems to me, as what I hear you saying, it's like, I can't worry about upsetting everybody. I have to do what I feel is right. I, to talk about, yeah.
1: You know, that is one of the biggest gifts of grief is freedom. It's yeah. like, well, okay, this is all I can do. This is what I want. And, I, and no is a beautiful word because it opens the door to uh, how you really want to go, what your path really is. And, you know, most people don't mind. You know, I, my kids know that my phone is always on silence. And if they want me and talk to me, they're going to have to text and wait until I just happen to check it. You know, and I thought that might upset them. And they're like, oh, come on, mom, we're adults. We've got kids. We don't care. Yeah. Have, your, have your peace, you know. And um, there's, I have so much freedom now, such a weight off my shoulders. Not, and I don't worry about the future. I just like, yeah, I don't care, you know. That's that an actually glorious feeling. It's like you're walking on air.
0: You're in the moment.
1: You're very in the moment, and you're not distracted, all uh, the million and one things you've been worried about for your entire
0: life, all that goes very quiet and it's peaceful. We, well, this is a, I guess that's a great note to end on because we only have a couple minutes left. So, uh, Lynn right. Hightower, that's who I've been talking about, and her new book is The Beautiful Risk. And so, Lynn, so tell us where we can purchase the book and also get more information okay. about you book and your writings and yeah. Oh, um,
1: well, you know, you can get the book anywhere, but go to my website. Um, It's got some pictures of uh, Annecy where the book takes place and pictures of Chamonix and pictures of German, my German shepherd and you've got to go see her. And, um, and it has, it has, it'll give you a link to purchase the book anywhere you want, wherever you like to buy a book, there's going to be a link there for you. So that's easy. And then, and there's some, just some questions I answer about why did I pick, you know, why did I pick Annecy, why did I pick the mountains, um, what it was like when I did my research, the fact that I got lost everywhere I went, and I had a wonderful cab driver that kept me from getting lost in the Alps for the rest of my life. So it's, it's a, it's, I would love for you to go there, and you can email me through the website and say hi if you would like.
0: Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate Thank it. You.